us. This is a place of life and wholeness and joy. And folks, this is truly good news. So, that's the union of God's side. We'll say that's the wrong direction. We'll say <laughs> wrong way down. Um, on the other side is not union of God. So, not union of God is, is missing the mark. We may start heading in the right direction, but then self-sufficiency and self-justification kind of take over. We take our eyes off of Him and we head toward moral perfection. Thinking we are maybe trying to get God to approve of us, so that what? So He'll love us more? Which He already does completely. And we try to make life work on our own. We try to solve our own problems and fill our own empty holes in our own empty ways. When does the Lord coin the term for this? He calls it evangelism. It's the sort of legalism that sometimes grows in certain evangelical circles. It means that we start with faith, but then we add our own religious rules. Um, that may have nothing to do with the movements of God. It's what Paul was referring to when he wrote to the people of Galatia. You foolish Galatians, after starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Wrong way Galatians, I call them this morning. This baffled the people of Jesus' day, and it still sometimes baffles us. It certainly confounded the Pharisee, Pharisees. They were so sure they were so righteous. They had rules and sub-rules to the point of being ridiculous. We do the same sort of nitpicking sometimes. You have to do this to be a good Christian. You have to do that to be a good Christian. You see, I think there's two energies that are at work. One I'm going to call the energy of righteousness. Okay? And it's like a continuum. And we're somewhere on this righteousness continuum, trying to be um, more right, more right than we were yesterday, more right than him, um, just trying to be more righteous. Um, it's either doing my duty or avoiding my duty. But either way, it's the righteousness continuum. And then I believe that there's another continuum that I'm going to call the love continuum. It is a skew line from this righteousness continuum. You can't get to the love continuum by being righteous enough. It will never get there. You have to actually drop, surrender, to get to the righteousness, to the love continuum, uh, which is the union of the God place. The two never intersect. Um, this is the energy of the law. This is the energy of Christ. The law kills, but the Spirit gives life. This is our own righteousness. This is the righteousness of Jesus. Two energies, two hearts. So, um, I was listening to the radio the other day, and I heard Jeff Foxworthy on some ad, and I thought it would be really fun to use his style to kind of help us flesh out a little bit about what this righteousness continuum might look like. So, 
satisfied. You're too hard on yourself. If you find yourself saying should a lot inside your head, well, I should have. Oh, he or she really should. You might be on the righteousness continuum if you live in a lot of shame for how you or what you love turned out. You might feel, um, or if you feel like you're not good enough, or if you have a performance mindset. You might be on the righteousness continuum if it's easy to find little faults in those you love. If it's hard to admit you're wrong, if it's hard to say, I'm sorry. You might be on the righteousness continuum if you argue about proper ethics and proper theology. If you argue about the proper way to load the dishwasher. If you find yourself saying or thinking people who see things differently from you are idiots. Even in the political arena. If you find yourself making excuses or judging yourself. I hope you found yourself at least once on that list. <laughs> I'm afraid I have found myself in every one of those places. I believe that we're all on the righteousness continuum from time to time. It's part of the human condition. Every religion of the world has some level of righteous unrighteousness to it. But don't worry, whenever you find yourself on this righteousness continuum, just catch yourself, walk to Jesus, and drop to the other continuum. It's like an intro, just drop. Humility really helps in this area. We have been wrong in the past when we were convinced we were right. And it just might be possible that we're wrong about something now. So be very gentle. Be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with others. So, back to wrong way, David. He's sitting in his place of semi-okayness. He has probably justified his actions in his own mind, if he even stopped to consider. It's, it's not that big of a deal. People have sex, get pregnant, and die in battle all the time. No biggie. But then, along comes Nathan, the prophet. Okay, I have a story to tell you about two men. On one side, um, there was this guy who had this sheep. Oh, such a sweet sheep. Loved this sheep. It was a pet. It was really, it was, it was like a member of the family. So dear. And there was this other guy. He was rich. He had like a thousand sheep. And he had a visitor that came to visit him. And the visitor was hungry. And he says to himself, oh, I'll feed him the poor man's sheep. Okay. What do you have to say? And David is angry. And he goes, this man must die. And of course, then Nathan says, you are the man. I suppose it was like the moment when Jim Marshall heard from his opponent, opposing team guy, and he congratulated him on his win. That awful sinking feeling. It's been like, it was like a black light being shown on David. And everything that felt so justifiable and so innocent 
answer something so beautiful and so valuable. It's not a fix, it's a pause. And of course, the child plays with the ball in the living room. Not just gently, not on its side. And of course, wonder of wonders, the icebergs. Why against you? You 
from our iniquities. As far as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So I have one more story. Some of you know that um, about three months ago, my brother Ken died. There's uh, my little brother. Ken was an absolute delight. Uh, he had an incredible sense of humor. No one I'd rather play phase 10 with anywhere than Ken because of his quick wit. He was genuine and giving. He loved his wife and kids and grandkids. We grew up in a loving Christian home, and he was a believer. But Ken also had his struggles. When Ken was 16, our other brother committed suicide. When he was 24, our father died. These things messed with him and who he thought he was. Though his current marriage was good, he had had a failed marriage. He had had a couple kids out of wedlock. He lost one house. He was in a pile of credit card debt. He had an anger problem and a drinking problem. And on October 15th, losing sight of his identity, he took his own life. I guess like David, you could call him wrong way Ken. Wrong decision Ken. But one image was very impactful to me in the days following his death. I knew the character of God. And I knew that God's first response to him would be his arms wide open, looking right in his eyes, and just saying something like, great to see you, honey. No hint of shame. No hint of, what? What were you thinking? Leaving wife and kids? No. Just arms wide open. This is the character of our God. They are, they are no longer wrong way David and wrong way Ken. They are David, man after God's own heart. And Ken, beloved of God. So, in the last decade or so, I've added something to my journaling which is what I call dialogue prayers with God. Um, I write down my part, which is thoughtful or whiny. And then I listen to what he's saying, uh, or what he would say, or whatever pops in my head. It's been very productive for me. So as I was preparing for the sermon, I was writing like pages of thoughts. And I was journaling about it, stewing about it really. And saying to God, like, wondering how do I say something that's true for my heart that's going to be good for yours? So here's a clip of our dialogue from a couple weeks ago. Oh, Jesus, hear my frightened heart. I'm afraid my scattered thoughts won't form themselves into a cohesive whole. Won't be full of passion. Won't let your spirit flow through the gaps. Yes, Lord, I love you, you know. I know. What do you want to say to me? And then it seemed he said this. 
and it's actually for you, so listen. Tell them I love them. Now, tell them it's enough. Tell them their identity is not in their mistakes. Tell them it'll be okay. Tell them I love them. Success is not being right enough. We can't be right enough. Success is turning back, looking in the eyes of God and letting Him love us. And failure, well, failure just exposes the character of God, which is love and compassion, which sends us right back where we belong, into His arms, into His love. That's the mark.